Little chaos is a wonderful thing. No exit strategy in the unknown. All hope lost. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and we are back to review episode number two of Doctor Who Series 12. And who are we? Again, I'm Kyle Jones, and I want to welcome back first this week, Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you, my friend? Doing great, man. And as always, I'm glad that we have some Who to talk about, some new Who, uh, as well as being back on the podcast, man. So, yeah, I'm glad to be here. All right. Well, welcome back. It seems weird. We've had less than seven days pass and we are recording two episodes of Discussing Who because within a week's time, we had two episodes of Doctor Who. And also, we have another Lee Shackelford, the one and only Lee Shackelford. Welcome back. Thank you. How are you? Lee Shackelford's actually, I, I'm, I, there's a, there's a little old lady in, uh, in Florida whose name is Lee Shackelford and I keep getting her, wow. uh, yeah, I keep getting her notes from Walgreens. They've got my email address somehow. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to intrude, but I know what all of her medications are. <laughs> Oops. Well, you know, I say that because no matter how many Lee Shackelfords there are in the world, you're our Lee Shackelford, and there That's are right. there's only one our Lee Shackelford. Exactly. So, and, uh, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, just as you say, what what fun to be able to talk about new episodes of Doctor Who again. It seems like it's been forever. Well, speaking of new episodes, I noticed on Facebook today that there is a new episode of a podcast that is a friend of the show, friend of Discussing Network, called Reality Breached. And it's featuring someone by our Lee Shackelford's name. So Lee, tell us about that. Yeah, your, your good friend, uh, Sergio, um, who is not the famous Sergio Lugo. He's the somewhat less famous Sergio Lugo. <laughs> uh, but he, he, uh, uh, does this, uh, uh, extraordinary podcast called Reality Breached and, uh, and he's been doing some interview episodes and I was honored to be his, his guest on the show, this most recent one. So that came out today. And, uh, I, I just, it was just a, if you want to hear me talk about how fascinating I am for a long, long time, I can't, do better than to recommend this episode of Real- Relativity Breached. Uh, Re- reality <laughs> Breached. Yeah, he, he, he said it was very tempting to call it Relativity Breached, which, you know, he should have gone for it because that's, that's funny. But anyway, yeah. So thank you, Sergio. I, I thought it was a great interview because he's a, he's a very, uh, uh, charming and, uh, super intelligent host. And, you know, you don't always get that. So it's, uh, it was, it was great fun talking with him. Cool. Cool. Well, I can't wait to listen. I came straight home from work and started making notes about this. So I haven't had an opportunity to listen, but Clarence, you may have, you've had maybe a few. Did you get to listen? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and actually I got to bed late because as I was laying down, I saw it pop up in my podcatcher. So, <laughs> so I stayed up like an extra hour just to listen to it. But, wow. but, but, but yeah, it, it was great. I mean, it was awesome hearing about I didn't know uh, about your parents being so much into the old school radio dramas. That was mm-hmm. pretty interesting to hear as well as just your, your journey throughout, man. Um, just, just amazing how you got into this whole uh, audio serial thing. So, um, yeah, it's a good listen. Everybody should go check it out if you're fans of Lee. <laughs> awesome. And, and we all are. And, and we all are very that it didn't good. Put you to sleep is, is, uh, yeah, it's a testament right there. Well, you know what another awesome testament is? <laughs> we have another five-star review from Apple Podcast by Raggedy No surprise. Axed. Yes. yes. And so I want to read this. This this is this just made my day today. It says, "I love these guys because they make me feel smart with in-depth and intelligent discussion while teaching me so much I did not know." It is a rare commentator who can find yet more to surprise a fairly seasoned Who vet. Best of all, they will remind you what you love about this wonderful show because they so delight in it themselves. Listen, rewatch, 
get sucked back into old favorites and find new things to be amazed and dazzled by. I love that. That is yeah. awesome. And, and you know, we, we, we shouldn't, uh, uh, spoil usernames, but, uh, but we know her and we know that, um, of course that's, uh, beautifully and eloquently written because she's a brilliant writer. So, <laughs> uh, no surprises there, but, um, but yeah, once again, we have feedback from somebody who is telling us that we're, uh, doing what we set out to do. I mean, once again, somebody has really sort of explained the show to us and we're like, yeah, oh, right. Yeah. That's what we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> like that. And, and just let me go on record that I did not ask Lee to say what he just said, but even though he said it, it's not my fault. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, we also have some more. Uh, feedback from our last episode of Spyfall Part 1, and it comes from our friend Blue Box Bill. And I want to read this to you, and I love what he says to start off, because I don't think after reading his description and his feedback about my comments, particularly about the doctor's costume wardrobe, I like what he said, and I'm I'm about to read it. I wish fans would please stop already with the stupid pants and similar comments about the 13th Doctor's apparel. In addition to having distinct physical features, previous incarnations of the Doctor are known for eccentric, quirky, if not anachronistic clothing, from Mm -hmm. a ridiculously long scarf to bow ties, ruffle shirts to a coat of many colors, even lapel celery. The 13th Doctor's coat and pants, whether capri or cropped, constitute a silhouette that is uniquely hers. Not one of her predecessors could pull off that look. Feminine, serviceable, and suitable for running down corridors, or would a formal evening gown with stilettos be more appropriate? (laughs) I love that. Nicely, sir. Very, very well. You know what I love most about it? Not one of her predecessors could pull off that look. Just imagine. Just try to imagine. I did, yeah. and that's why I love it. Right now, 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 stop imagining that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I couldn't agree with him more, and I'm aware because I just listened uh, to our 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 uh, Spyfall Part One review uh, earlier, and uh, yeah, and I said both of those things. You did. I said, you know, this is uh, this is how we know it's the Doctor is that the 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 character doesn't dress like everybody else. But I did also, in passing, refer to her stupid pants. But but the the air quotes that were on stupid pants were not audible. That was the problem. So <laughs> <laughs> they had this discussion on Oz Nine about to what air quotes sound like, and I I have not uh, mastered the the skill yet. But yeah, but no, I, I'm with I'm with Blue Box Bill all the way on this. I just yeah, enough already. Mm, yeah, so, I, I just loved it. Yeah, totally loved that's it. Terrific. Now, having said that, I, I just listened to the episode. I, I hope it's okay if I if I go ahead and say some things about our our review of Spyfall One. It'll only take a minute. Sure, go for it. Floor is uh, yours. Well, I, I listened to a lot of it cringing because I kept saying things that were wrong, and so I, I wanted to start off tonight saying, "Okay, I know, I know." I called Barton Bradley at one point. The man's name is Barton. They only say it 6,000 times. And I had talked about Dick Barton Private Eye. So, yeah, I don't know where, why I was calling him Bradley. Um, the, <laughs> I think all of us fell into this. We, we kept calling it Skyfall, <laughs> which, of course, is the, the name of the James Bond film, the 2012 James Bond film starring Daniel Craig, which we are, to some degree, uh, uh, referencing in the, uh, and playing with that this the episode this story by Chris Chidmo is called Spyfall <laughs> and uh, is um and that's sort of a joke in itself I guess I, because we keep seeing spies die and uh, I don't know <laughs> we we do know that the, the show is called Spyfall the moment that I couldn't that I said I was very impressed by but couldn't remember <laughs> which is kind of a dumb thing in itself. This is how it goes. The exchange that I love but badly misremembers is the doctor says, I'm really hard to get rid of, Mr. Barton. And Barton says, are you? Mm. I remember that his response was somehow more, that there were more words to it. But what I was being impressed by was the elegance of that. The The subtext of are you is, you sure about that? Uh, 
I just thought it was brilliant, but, but I totally misremembered what the words were. Finally, when I was uh, pretending to school Kyle on, um, the, the, the memes and tropes of, uh, the, uh, the, the James Bond universe, I overlooked one of the most obvious ones, one of the most uh, affectionate nods towards James Bond, who, starting from Dr. No, in every film has had the opportunity to introduce himself as Bond, James, James Bond. When the doctor comes up to the uh, the kiosk to uh, at the party, she says the name's Doctor. doctor. The doctor. I did not catch that at all. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. But uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe because I've seen it three times now. But that's kind of anyway. But uh, okay, that, those are my corrections for the previous one. We can move on to the second. All right. So Clarence, not saying that you're perfect, but do you have any uh, corrections? <laughs> we should always do an amendment section before. Yeah, we... I don't. I don't think I have any errata per se, but I think that I enjoyed this episode so much that it may bring my score of the last episode just down slightly because I enjoyed this one more. You know, not to say that I hated the last one, but. I found this one way more enjoyable. Ah, interesting. So I will say that it this one definitely brought my lower score up astronomically compared. But we'll get into that. But <laughs> what we will say at this point is, if you have not seen Spyfall Part 2, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, take us off pause, get ready to listen, because from this moment forward, Spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and we are back to review Spyfall Part 2. This is, of course, a part two of a two-part story that aired first on the 5th of January, 2020. So, gentlemen, some review, and I want to go first this time. Summary view. I love this episode. I totally, <laughs> absolutely, 100 million percent loved this episode, and I cannot wait to get into why I love this episode. So, that's my summary view. Clarence Brown, what say you? What did you think? I feel like a bit of a fool because in the last review, I said, something is missing. I'm waiting for the doctor to be clever. And it's like in the first five minutes of this, this episode, I got sort of what I've been looking for this whole time. And when you fast forward to the end of the episode, we have stuff that reaches back to last season a bit. So I, I came, I came away from this very happy. I, it's a fun episode, a lot of mysteries. Some stuff was not fully explained, which I'll bring up later, but <laughs> I think on, on the whole, I, I had a great time. What about you, Lee? I, I'm. Just, just, I, I'm still stuck back on you trying to figure out why that makes you feel foolish because uh, all you said was, I'd really like this. And then you got it. What's, you know, yeah. um, but, but I was thinking about that while I was watching it. I thought, Oh, here's the moment that we've been looking for. This is the kind yeah. of thing. We, we, there, there's a moment where you just feel like the doctor is as powerless as, as she can be and sort of cornered by the master who's, who's gloating. And then the table turns on him because yeah. she's smarter than he is. Boom. Yeah. So that's the stuff we've been looking for. Yeah. <laughs> so. Mm. All right. So I want to ask, we've been sitting here talking about the master and the doctor, but I want to ask you guys first about the TARDIS fam or team TARDIS, specifically mm -hmm. how they're interacting with one another outside of having the doctor with them, because for the most part, they are Dr. Light, meaning they're off on their own for the abundance of, if not 95% of this episode. They're really on. They so, don't just. Late, <laughs> uh, you take it first. What do you think? What, well, I, what was I, your I just, thoughts? It's, it's one of my favorite things about the episode. I really love the three of them having to, to try to deal, um, with this situation and, and this this heroic moment for Ryan, really, I think he's not talking through his hat when he says, we'll, we'll just carry on. You know, if the doctor never comes back, we're going to take these bad guys down and save the world, you know? Yeah. Because that's what we do. I, uh, and, you know, Graham and Yaz don't go, what? Yeah, <laughs> they, they're, they're on board. Um, Graham calls them both a pair of donuts, but, um, 
<laughs> a favorite moment. But, but no, I, they uh, Ryan's the one who has the initiative to to you know to stomp on his phone. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, they're yeah they're it's not they're not only without the doctor they're without everybody, and it's ironic because uh, one of the things that they, the, one of the few good solid pieces of advice that they were given when they started out of this was don't trust anybody. Yeah, and uh, and it turns out to be true. So there you go. But that, so that's my thinking. What what about you guys? Uh, I, I found it fun that they were kind of, you know, if you've seen that movie Enemy, Enemy of the State starring Will Smith back in the day, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of the role they were playing, except it wasn't state. It was corporation that was uh, hunting them down. And we'll get into more of that. But I love them having the downtime to question who is the doctor. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and they had a moment to really like kind of reflect. We We don't know anything about this person man woman whatever you know, yeah. you know grail brings it up she used to be a man you know regeneration <laughs> so i'm I'm glad that they finally had that moment to bring that up of course that reflects us back to uh a married of different uh episodes but i think particularly martha gridlock um where they have the moment where they can question who this person is and um maybe we'll get some of those answers in this episode but but uh, I love them working together. I do find that the I would have wished I wish that they would have had the classic Bond Q moment because I think uh, maybe I remember wrongly. You cor- correct me. In most of the Bond movies, doesn't he demonstrate the products? Yes. Yeah. Or, or at least we will. If something looks a little mystifying to us, it won't be long before we see how it works. Yeah. But yeah, the. Part of the fun here is going to be sending them out with this stuff that they don't know how to use. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why Ryan's cufflinks don't kill him, for example. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, that, sh- that should have been the last thing that he did. But still, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I get that it was meant to bring a little bit of fun to the episode. But I, I think I was just missing that classic moment of where they kind of know what they're doing. And they could have still had fun with it, you mm-hmm. know, ground dancing to to shoot some lasers they could have still had fun but i I didn't really particularly like the fact that they didn't know how to use the stuff but still but still we got great moments of them around um you know figuring those things out figuring how to uh handle being on the run and all that stuff was great i'm sure we'll get into more of it okay so i want to make a comment real quick about the um gadgets and I would love it if they follow up on this in a way that the next time that they're in a situation like this and they receive something, you see Ryan and you see Graham actually paying attention more to what they've gotten. (laughs) And the reason I say that is when they got those gadgets, they were with the doctor. And I think that was a crutch to some degree because the doctor always, you know, they depended on the doctor to say, this is what you need to do and I'm going to take care of it. So they had it, but, but it's sort of like you really didn't need it because the doctor is going to tell me, Hey, point the shoe in this direction and it'll work because the doctor will know. Yeah. And yeah. And in story purposes, to be fair, maybe C was going to explain this before he got shot in the back of the head. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, good point. But but still, you know, they 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 made that timing happen in the screenplay for so that they wouldn't know how <laughs> to do these things. It is more fun to have them discover it on their own. <laughs> yeah, and so, it was funny to watch. It was funny, funny stuff. So tell me what you guys thought about the trip through time, and let's start first with Charles Babbage and Ada Lovelace. And I'm going to put, you know just come out and say. I was not familiar whether I should have learned about them in school and did and forgot or whatever the case may be. I was not immediately familiar with both of these names. Were mm-hmm. either of you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, especially me being computer science. Um, yeah. yeah uh, Babbage did the, um, the first computer or analytical engine or whatever. And um, Ada Loveless, which I programmed in a language called Ada that was mm-hmm. named after her. Yeah. Uh, so she's, she's widely known as the first computer programmer. Uh, so yeah, a lot of, uh, legacy there. And when you talk about what they're ultimately trying to accomplish, and now I'm holding up quotes, Lee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> about, uh, I heard about that. Abducting the best computer people in the yeah. universe. 
for, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if, if if that's your goal, they picked a, a, a good two to start with, you know. Right. And it makes sense for the story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the things I felt was a little tentative too. It's a great way to get uh, Babbage and Lovelace into into the story, and for us to be able to visit them and see them. But uh, yeah, I didn't understand why that was part of the the master plan. I'd love to say that, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, and of course we saw we're we're all fans of Victoria here, right? So we saw Babbage and Lovelace uh, in uh, in Victoria. Yes. And that model of the uh, the difference engine, uh, I can't imagine there are a lot of models of the difference engine out there. So I wonder where that one actually that that prop actually comes from because it is an amazingly intricate. Yeah. I, I don't know if it works or not, <laughs> but um, but yeah, um, just uh, 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 I've always been fascinated by this too. Uh, he was still working on paper on the idea of something that would go beyond the difference engine, the analytical engine. Uh, but he still thought of computing as being sort of about the end product of numbers. And Lovelace came into his life kind of from the arts world. I mean, her father was the the the, the poet. To, uh, uh, he was Lord Byron. And she she saw computing as being something that could do other things. And I think that's one of the reasons why she's sort of revered as an innovator today, because she wrote an algorithm for the analytical engine that hadn't even been built yet. She she saw, she understood the math and also then figured out things that it could do, which, yeah. you know, uh, some of which we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah. just, just as we talk into our our computers and over the Internet, it's just. Yeah, 1834. Yeah, she she just yeah she she's an amazing amazing person. So, and and I'll go you one further about the history because uh, you you know what a history buff I am. Where the doctor wakes up and says, "Why why am I smelling? Why why is steam? You know, she can she can taste the air as we know, but she's she's aware of steam because she's in the Adelaide Gallery. That's the what would later be called the National Gallery of Practical Science. Uh, an idea of Jacob Perkins, who I guess is the guy standing there behind the steam cannon, because that really is something that Jacob Perkins really? invented. Yes. Wow. And his big brag was that it could fire up to a thousand rounds a minute, <laughs> which sounds which sounds silly to us today. But the story is that he brought that to the British Army and Lord Wellington said no, what? because because he thought that was unfair. Mm, wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Gone are the days, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, but yeah. <laughs> and, and that's one of those stories. I don't know if anybody knows if that's actually true or not. But anyway, but, but all hail Jacob Perkins because while maybe the, that machine gun was not the thing, his interest in steam, making things hot and making things cold and about vapors and things like this, he, uh, ultimately, uh, created and patented a, uh, a method for compressing chemicals in such a way that they would have the effect of uh, producing uh, cold air. Mm. In other words, he invented the refrigerator and the air conditioner. Oh, all hail to him. Hello. Exactly. Yeah. When you talk about things that have made our lives tolerable <laughs> in the uh, in the 21st century. Yeah. So that's him uh, that the doctor wakes up to and uh, and says, why? Why steam? And he's talking about his gun. But but that but that Adelaide Gallery, that was a real thing where where um scientists and inventors would get together and show off their stuff, some of which may have just been uh weird and they thought it was fun that it was weird, or and some of it was, you know, really practical things that they wanted to get people turned on to. I don't know about the hand grenade for home use. I don't <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that's hell with force. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> indeed they would be. But I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's for real or not. But yeah, you know, maybe somebody will tell us. But uh, but yeah, the rest of that is that's that's all. So so the rest of that uh, so the rest of that is all real, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. as yeah. far as I know, yeah. I, I do love how when the doctor and also the master came in, they attempted ever so loosely to stay in character. Uh, you know, <laughs> with 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 the doctor saying we choose the what the the. Uh, Aborigining woman. Yes. And yes. Man, no woman. Yes. <laughs> I do it every time. Yeah. <laughs> and the master comes in and says, I'm the incredible shrinking, shrinking man or something mm. like that. You know, I did, I, 
you know, I found it funny that they attempted loosely to stay in character when they made their interest. That was that was a good bit of fun. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a lovely scene. So speaking of lovely scenes, I want to mm. stay on this scene yeah. for a little bit longer because, Clarence, you offered a perfect segue to what I think was my brain just you know, like, uh, I, I, it was just like all of my arterial flows were firing where they needed to fire. I loved the look of, I don't know, determination, anger, fill in the blank. I don't know, but the look that she gave the master when the master walked in and, you know, of course, miniaturized a couple of people and then starts walking toward him, their interaction is like, yes, this is what I've known Jodie Whittaker should be able to do from watching her on Torchwood. I mean, excuse me, on Broadchurch and seeing the things that she did in Broadchurch. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for them to allow her to do. And she did it. And it was wonderful. Yeah. 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 They do certainly mesh well together. I love seeing those two on screen kind of bounce off each other. Uh, and of course the master comes in to say, when I kill doctor, it gives me a little buzz. <laughs> yeah. Like, Feel wow. it right here. Right here in my heart. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah th- another quick note about that scene. And it's something I guess I'm just not used to, but the, he makes the doctor kneel and she looks up and has to call him master. The optics of that <laughs> just, just didn't work well with me. And also Ooh. there's a scene later when the master actually chokes the doctor. So, yeah. It's it's a few things in there where I wouldn't even blink if it was uh blink, you know. <laughs> Let's go back to that uh, screen of the doctor talking to oh, uh, the airplane. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but 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 there's some scenes with the master and the doctor that if it was a man I probably wouldn't even blink at, but the fact that it's a woman just feels a little weird. And you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's nothing, but I just want to bring it up because it, it just feels weird to me. I don't feel right watching this. <laughs> I, I've been wondering if that would happen, and I, I I'm glad you brought it up because it re, it reminds me that it didn't strike me that way because I don't because I think of her as the doctor as being the master's equal at least, and I don't think of her as being a woman who's being made to, to kneel in front of a man or, or being choked by a man. I just, which I hope is what is intended. I hope I, my my wife and I were talking about this the other day. We've reached an interesting point in the culture where women have reached enough of an ascendancy of power at long, long last, where we can take seriously this woman being a time Lord uh, as being the hero of the story. And at least in Britain, we can now normalize a, a, a man of Indian descent, uh, this brown skinned man, and he's being the master. And we don't think he's the bad guy because his skin is brown. He's, yes. he's the bad guy because he's the master. Yes, certainly. And I, it does feel like that's a bit of, those are pretty large achievements in themselves, as strange as that seems. I, I don't know. It's just something to think about. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard to navigate that because they purposely in the show at certain points, uh, will hit you with those, tones to bring it out of you, you know, because that's what they're trying to accomplish in the story. Yeah. So it's sometimes it's hard to differentiate when they're trying to tell you something overtly or it's just your own sentimentalities looking at <laughs> this on screen and projecting onto it. So, yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm so while you guys are talking, I've actually <laughs> got this up on screen he and just ignores us. No, 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 just, no, 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 yeah. no, because <laughs> Clarence, you make a very valid point because I think had this been Matt Smith or if this would have been David Tennant, I'm not quite sure if they would have done quite so much if it would have been Capaldi because I think Capaldi would have just yelled back at him, you know, something. <laughs> but this actually provided one of the reasons I loved this episode so much is the look she's giving him. And I I wish you could see the, you know, still screen that I've got that I'm looking at. You've got her looking up at him and the floor or the carpeting behind her, which in this image that I'm looking at looks like, you know, it's like the wall. It looks like a wall behind her is bright red. And this yeah. look that she's giving him <laughs> is like, I could 
tear you from <laughs> limb to limb so yeah. easily, but I'm not going to. Yeah. And so yeah. I think the, 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 the bowing, you know, to him or the kneeling to him, I think that just allowed her to portray this image that I'm seeing, which I think would have not been as powerful if she just got up in his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 This is not her moment, but her moment will come. She knows it. But for me, it was one of the moments and I loved it. I so loved it. No, I'm with you. That, that, that it's, it's the old West shootout where the two of them are just walking towards each other. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> just love the, the, the blocking of that. So while we're talking about the past, let's jump up about a hundred years and we meet another historical figure, Nur Khan. I, I hope mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing her name correctly. And again, I was not familiar with her. Were either of you? Uh, a little bit. I, I I knew her as as codename Madeline, and I remember that she was well. She is Britain's first Muslim war hero. She also um, used because she was working for British Secret Service. She used the name Nora Baker. I think just because it was easier for <laughs> people in British Secret Service to remember than uh, Nora Inayat Khan. But, uh, but yeah, everything as depicted there is, is again, it's completely true. That's, that's who she was and what she was doing. I'm glad that the episode doesn't go there and I'm some, maybe I shouldn't even bring it up, but, um, Ada Lovelace and, uh, and, uh, uh Nora Khan, neither of them lived to be 32 years old. So they had these amazing lives, but they were cut short. Oh, that's so sad. it is uh, because God knows what well, you, you should read about, about Nora Khan and the things that she had done in her life up to that point. There's just there's, anyway, she, she had a fantastic life ahead of her after the war. But of course, the Nazis being the Nazis, uh, they couldn't allow it. So and uh, and Ada just got sick, which is kind of an interesting thing in the in the script. Um the we got this story about why she has these fits of paralysis, and it's because the uh, the the aliens are trying to to take her over. And, but that's really true. She had these these uh, these spells, and uh, some people who've written about Ada Lovelace over the years have said that um, that maybe sort of she was left alone a lot. She was alone in bed by herself. People used to say this about Stephen Hawking too. It's like, well, you know, if you, if you can't do anything else, maybe you think about great things, you know, Hmm. but, uh, but who knows if that's, you know, uh, if that's why Ada Lovelace was a genius or not, but, uh, yeah, but anyway, but, but yeah, they they both had had fascinating lives up to, up to the point where we meet them in this, uh, in this story. And it's just a a pity that there isn't a lot of their lives after this. Hmm. So, you know, who knows what, what uh, they could have, what they could have done. But, um, yeah. Interesting. So Clarence, you mentioned blink a little bit earlier and this, Mm -hmm. what Lee just said reminded me of a quote that the doctor, I believe, said, and it may, I may be finding the quote in the wrong one, but I think it was in the um, in Blink. But again, it may not be. But he ma- he made a comment or a quote at one point. It was the tenth doctor, and he said that some people can do more in twenty years than mm. some people can do in eighty. Yeah, you know, and that's just kind of goes hand in hand with what you just said. That That's really, really true. Yeah. One of the reasons why, you know, the, the allies won the war was, was uh, people like Nora, uh, Nora Khan and, and, and yeah, Clarence is using software called ADA. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of the war and Clarence, I want to mm-hmm. get your thoughts on this. What did you think about Captain Nazi master? <laughs> Um, he was, he was fun. If you can say anything about a Nazi master like that. <laughs> I thought he was interesting. I thought he, uh, honestly, he played the role well. Um, you know, again, Lee talked about, you know, descent and I, even though we know he had a perception filter on for his companions there, I, I believed it. His performance, I believed it completely. Um, though I, I do have to question like the one scene where they're, he brings the soldiers in, they shoot through the floorboards, but the doctor and Ada are not hit once. Right. I, I wonder what I had, I just been seeing that incorrectly and now I'll rewind and watch it again. Mm-hmm. They shot through the floorboards and 
can hit them. I mean, yeah. so the way I interpreted that was they were actually under the floorboards that were under her desk. I thought, yes, and and the the master thinks he's being smart by stomping on the floor, and he and he hears that it's hollow, so they shoot the hollow part of the floor. They just shoot the wrong part. Oh, okay. But but that struck me the same way, though, Clarence. And I went back and watched it again, too. And I thought, well, yeah, the Nazis were, were known for their thoroughness. They, <laughs> yeah. they seriously didn't shoot everything. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, so I don't know. But Okay, so I want to make a, a, a side comment real quick that's pertaining to the doctor and the tuxedo. There were several images, particularly whenever it went off in part one, and I forgot to mention this last week or last episode, which is the silhouette with the way her hair is the length of her hair. And in the, um, like I said, the tuxedo reminded me of a silhouette of the first doctor. Don't know why. Maybe it may just be the hair and the, the length of the hair and all that, but just side note reminded me of a silhouette of the first doctor a little bit. It's not just you. I thought that too. And I, it almost makes you wonder how deliberate that is that she's, she basically has his hairstyle. Uh, well, interesting. well, I have a theory on that, but, but it was, it was almost like <laughs> you and I just made contact. Yes. <laughs> that oh, was great. <laughs> Shout outs to the original series here that are just for us, for us old folks. Yeah. They made contact and, uh, yeah, we've brought back the tissue compression gun and all kinds of things like that. Um, and when they get to the top of the Eiffel Tower, uh, the, the, the doctor says, this is worse than Jodrell Bank. Uh, yeah. Did I ever apologize for that, by the way? No, you didn't. Mm. Good. Good. Yeah. And for, for folks who, who didn't get that, uh, us old guys. Here. Okay. Yeah. Jodrell Bank is the, uh, the bank of uh, radio telescopes that's ceaselessly scanned the skies in the UK from which the fourth doctor fell at the hands of the master and ah. became the doctor. Yeah. So the master basically killed him at Jodrell Bank. And now they're, here they are <laughs> on the Eiffel Tower saying, did I ever apologize for that? No, you didn't. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Okay. Now I get it. That's great. Yeah. All right. So really, really quick before we move on, uh, I want to go back to the first doctor really, really quick. Yes. Part of what helped me get over the, the pants and everything. And this is, this is just kind of another side note. And I've gone on record, especially last time of talking about the doctor being effervescent and et cetera and so forth. I keep forgetting one of the reasons why the doctor is the 13th doctor now. And I attribute that to the 12th doctor in twice upon a time seeing his first incarnation and the way they played up the chauvinistic and kind of condescending way that a, the first doctor could have been perceived by some. And I'm thinking that that made him subconsciously be the 13th doctor on some level. And I just thought that that was cool. But (laughs) um, let me ask you guys what you think. You know, we talked about uh, contact, but we're talking are the doctor and the master are talking, not we we're talking about what they were talking about, but they are up there and the doctor is receiving a revelation from the master. And he makes a reference to, Gallifrey being gone again. And when was the last time you went home and that Gallifrey had been burned? Mm -hmm. So Clarence thoughts, what, what were your thoughts at this point of hearing that Gallifrey might be destroyed again or, or, or yeah, again, because we thought it was destroyed at first. So what, what was your thought? Well, well, even the master says he's been trying to get her attention or the doctor's attention and, and, you know, I didn't really, I, mean, I guess we'll, we can talk about it, what happened at the end, but I didn't, I didn't know what that actually meant. Was it just the empty threat? Was, did he actually really do something? Was he just trying to get the doctor to go there for some other reason? Who knows? But wow. Yeah. <laughs> what it actually is, is, is pretty shocking to say the least. And, and when we found out who did it, it's even mm-hmm. worse. Okay. <laughs> so Lee, initial thought of knowing that it might be gone. What was your thoughts? 
I, I don't know how to feel about that. I can understand people losing their home, but you know, the doctor is a runaway anyway and has not been affectionate about the old hometown. Um, has been dragged there a couple of times, you know, I, I so I, I'm not sure how to feel about it. And we've seen Gallifrey destroyed before and I don't know. Uh, and we've also seen the master lie about Gallifrey before too. Do you remember that at one point he gave the 12th doctor the coordinates to get there? And when he got there, there was nothing there. Yes. So, I don't, I, yeah. I, All right. So before I ask my third question, let me put yeah. in my second question and I'll follow up on kind of what Clarence was saying, which is we find out that the reason it's gone is because the master is the one who burned Gallifrey. It wasn't mm. some other unknown being or yeah, whatever. It the was time the master, order. you know. What do you guys think about this revelation that, yes, the ma- the master destroyed Gallifrey? No, same answer. I, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, um, yeah, he's a homicidal maniac. Okay. Yeah, mm. we, we got that. You know, I, I just th- – okay. that's terrible, of course. But some of it is a problem of scale is that whenever we see Gallifrey, we see the exact same skyline. And I know that's that's <laughs> yeah. a visual way of saying to us that this is what it is. But it also limits us. It makes us feel like that's all there is. Interesting. So, um, Clarence, what about you? Any thoughts on knowing that the master is the one that did it? Uh, just on the scale, I want to come in on that real quick. Um, it's funny that the Time Lords don't have, you know, colonies on different planets and stuff. Are they just limited to, to just Gallifrey? I mean, it, as advanced as they are, you would think they'd be mm. uh, more of a you know, empire, so to speak. So it's kind of strange that there's just on Gallifrey, but you know, that, that scene was shocking to see nonetheless. Um, but I think what it boils down to is thinking everything, you know, is a lie. What set, I mean, he's a crazy homicidal maniac, like Lee said, (laughs) but, but what bit of information or revelation, uh, that he's figured out was so shocking to the core beings of time lords that he could not handle no yeah. Yeah. yeah and and we may spend the rest of this series getting to that which which i'm fine with i, yeah, I want that long yeah. arc i want too, that yeah. uh n- you know nugget here and nugget there and then the big payoff at the end yeah you know the only thing that i had reserved and this is my only reservation for the entire series i mean i mean for the entire episode is I don't want it to come across as being, we've been there, we've done that, we're doing it again. Right. You know, right. that would be, but I don't know where we're, we're going. Uh, we do know that the doctor went and she actually saw. So, you know, it's not that the master was lying again, but I, I don't know exactly where they're going. So I, 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 I guess I need to withhold a judgment as, well, you're doing the same thing because we don't know yet how right. this is going to play out. But this brings me to another question about the master. And that is tied again to something Clarence said because he's, you know, talking about Gallifrey and he's going to Gallifrey. And the, you know, the master's all mad, et cetera, and so forth. Do you guys have an indication yet as to where in the master's timeline this incarnation of the master? I know we kind of touched on this last episode, but I want to touch on it again. Do you have any more inclination or thoughts or feelings? Is this pre or post Missy? Yeah, no idea. For for a time travel show, Doctor Who usually takes things in a in an astonishingly linear way. I mean, we we we've seen Gallifrey destroyed, but we understand that that isn't during the time war because we already had that. Well, really, by the rules of the show, this could be centuries before the time war, but we understand that it isn't because we don't think that way. So, you know, we've already seen, you know, um the the uh the superpower doctor and we've seen uh, uh, the superpower master, you know, <laughs> who can fly and uh, shoot um, force lightning and stuff like that. And, um, and we've seen Missy. So this must be the next one. You know, it's, that's just how it feels to me because that seems to go with the rules of the show. Okay. Clarence, what do you think? Mm, 
I, I tend to agree with that. Um, some things that give me pause the way that where that might possibly not be true, um, as he had to live through the the 20th century again. He, Ooh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, he did. He didn't know that his ice cream truck or whatever it was would be at a certain place. At <laughs> That's a certain right. Time. Exactly. His uh, horse trailer. Yeah. Uh, he 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 should know where his TARDIS would be at certain times throughout mm. history. Yeah. So it would seem he would, you know, jump off for a minute. To, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I, this could be a this could be a pre Roger Delgado master. Well, I think it is a pre Missy master mm. because the more I see of him, I, I I go back and again, I think I may have said this last episode, but I see hints of Missy. And I see hints of John Sim, and I see de- hints of Delgado actually, you know, a little bit with, yeah, yeah. Y- you know, and I'm, I'm going to speculate because of him having the TARDIS. I'm going to speculate that this is pre Missy Master. Hmm. This is, this is the incarnation of where she, he's in the, this is who he becomes when he's, you know, in the elevator. Going down the elevator, this is the version that he turns into because she does tell the master, Hey, you are, you will become me. And that may be well true, but she doesn't necessarily have to say, Well, there was another incarnation between me and you. Yeah. I, I just don't want to, to undo Missy. That's, that's, that's my big yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of the master, uh, one last thing on the master is we saw the master's TARDIS again, and we actually see the inside yeah. again with the control console. Thoughts, guys? What did you think? It's always fun to go inside somebody else's TARDIS. I mean, that's just, you know, or to see uh, see it in, in uh, its chameleon circuit working because his has always famously worked. So uh, that was uh, – I, I enjoyed that. Clarence, any thoughts? Um, I'd love seeing it. Just a few questions. Oh, yeah, I love seeing it going through the time vortex thing. That was awesome, too. Mm. Um, how did the doctor get inside his TARDIS? Uh, did I miss something? And also, does this now mean that the doctor has two TARDI or TARDIS, TARDISes, TARDISes? <laughs> mm. Interesting. Mm, wow. Yeah. I didn't think what, of that. What did happen to that, that house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, you know, I forgot all about it. You're right. Yeah. Well, well let, let, let me ask, very good point. Let me ask this because we are coming up on 52 minutes and I want to get into our favorite scenes and, yeah. but, but, you know. Well, I still got another thing too, but yeah. Okay. okay. Well, you know, I, I don't want to be timeful. I want to be timeless in my next <laughs> question. Ooh. What do you guys think is the revelation and who or what is the timeless child? No idea, but getting on to Morse code. I do want to say something about Morse code, but it, I really, I, I have no idea. Mm. And I, I, I'm waiting to be surprised. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. Clarence, do you have any thoughts? Same. Don't have a clue. I don't either. Believe it or not. No clue. Well, well wasn't it great to have something from series 11 tagged so, uh, because that was definitely left as a big question mark in season 11. So it, it, it indeed was. We see one scene that I think happened on the ghost monument episode, but then it flashes to this image of a kid standing somewhere. I don't know where the, the image is from, uh, but any idea on that? I need to look at that again. Mm, just, just saw it and not a clue. Yeah. Not a clue. Oh. But many I, people are now shouting at their podcatchers saying, how could you not know? <laughs> if you do know, send us some Morse code and we will yes. definitely decode it. But since we, <laughs> since we're going to, Lee, you had Morse code you wanted to talk about. Yes, please. Because I, as a, as a, as a history buff and, and the world war two in Europe is a special interest of mine. And I don't know if you know, but one of the the happy accidents of uh, of uh, Winston Churchill's time was that he, even before the war, he liked to do that uh, 
that famous uh, V for victory thing. You know, he'd hold up two fingers. Um, in America, we would come to call that a peace sign. But uh, during World War II, it was V for victory. And we we came to say win with Winnie. Uh, v in Morse code is da-da-da-da. Wow. Three dots and a dash. So when the BBC war broadcast came on the radio, you could let people know by playing the opening strains of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, dun, 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 which wow. is the letter V in Morse code. Isn't that wonderful? So, and of course that's an accident, you know, but, but it's fantastic. But knowing that made me kind of alive. We're in World War II and we're hearing, which we know is the heartbeat of a Time Lord, right? Right. But those four dots in Morse code, that's the letter H. And that's only the, the reason why that made me sit up this time was because, well, how wonderful to, to have that, that four knocks thing again and for it to be in Morse code. I don't know if you know this, but, um, but neo fascist groups right now, they, they have, you know, an elaborate code and some of it's pretty transparent, but they, but they love to send messages to one another that, that use prominently the letter H. Wow. Just referring in that one letter to Hitler and wow. all of his ideals that he stands for. And so this again is an accident, right? Because we had the, 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 he will knock four times and the idea of the heartbeat of a time lord way back. But here it is. We're in World War II and they're sending out the letter H. That's freaking clever. Isn't that something? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, but, but anyway, it's, uh, I just, I just couldn't wait to talk about that. But, um, and I don't know if there are, you know, um, neo-Nazis who watch Doctor Who were saying, hey, those guys must be on our side. They, they send us an H. You know? <laughs> I said, mm, I'm going to say no. Because if they only knew. If they only Well, I love that when the, when the Nazis are dragging the master away. He says, but you've always seemed such reasonable people. <laughs> yes. Yep. 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 All right. So, Clarence and Lee, for this matter, any mm. other thoughts that you had written down before we get into our favorite scene? Not a, you've heard mine. Um, I guess we didn't talk about Barton too much, but what what what's there to say there? Um, corporations, uh, mommy issues, uh, and, and yeah, and invite companies into our lives, spy devices, smart speakers, home security, automation, blah blah, all us connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess it's supposed to be uh, analogous to Google. Um, yeah. you know, who who've who've had the phrase for uh since the beginning, do no evil. Which, you know, you have to kind of take a double take on that these days. Uh, but they've dropped the slogan, don't be evil. Apparently. Yeah. People on the inside yeah. say, yeah, they, they don't say that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently not. But, you know, uh, oftentimes I think the only thing that's holding us back from, from the massive, uh, swath of information and intrusion into our lives is just the, the, the outcry that would occur if, it, if something, um, inappropriate was found, uh, you know, and also, you know, the company's, uh, fiduciary responsibilities to make as much money as they can. So there's a, there's a small balance there that's kind of keeping things in check and hopefully it'll, it'll stay that way. But I do find it interesting how Barton was, Barton, excuse me, was trying to uh, push this agenda over into making the human race Batteries? No, no, storage. Batteries. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wondered about that too. I thought he's not going to say batteries, is he? <laughs> yeah. In yeah. an, an attempt to, uh, you know, start anew. So I really didn't get Barton's full angle, though. I mean, we know that he's a maniacal. He killed his mother to make a point because she didn't, you know, uh, acknowledge his um, accomplishments. Yeah. So, and I can't even remember what happened to him at the end of the episode. Do, do you guys remember? And I've seen it twice. I don't. Did he get arrested? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. I think uh, we focused uh, more on the fact that the master got taken away, which, of course, you know, we're going to see the master again. Yes. But I think they focused more on the master being taken away than they did on Barton, mm-hmm. which yeah. makes me wonder: Will we see Barton again later on in the series? Uh, <laughs> isn't it funny that none of us can remember what happened to him? <laughs> but isn't it interesting how they played up the episode, the, the creatures of light, the Kasavin, you know, they're, they're kind of like just in the background now, but you know, they weren't as big and powerful as a bad guy. At least we don't think so. And Barton wasn't the mastermind per se that he 
we thought he might be. Yes, he is ruthless. Yes, he is all these bad things. But it's interesting how they hid the master from us so much yeah. so that I read, if you go back and you look at some of the um, previews and as well as some of the preview images, they edited him out of that scene of them walking out of the TARDIS really? and they mm. edited him out of the pictures initially. Cause he's standing there when they come out of the TARDIS and you don't see him standing there in the preview images. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we do get that Barton was the, the beta beta test. That's why he was only 90%, 93% human, human at uh-huh. the time. So uh, I guess that was interesting, but again, like what was his ultimate motivation? Mm. Was, what was he going to get out of it? Yeah. Hmm. So I know what we'll get out of it. Let's get our favorite scene. And I will go ahead and say what my favorite scene was off the bat. The master versus the doctor. What we were talking about earlier in the um 1800s. That was my, oh, I love this scene. So that's my scene. Favorite scene. Clarence, what say ye? Uh, I think mine was alone that along those lines, but it was just that whole moment in the, what did you call it? What do you call it place where they're at the meeting of the minds? The Adelaide gallery, the Adelaide gallery. I just loved yeah. when everybody was spouting off <laughs> their inventions in the, the, the grenade, the grenade yep. for the home. Yep. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Judas repelled by force. That's, that's my favorite scene and quote. Coincidentally. <laughs> awesome. All right. So Lee, what you guys surprised me? I thought I'd be the only one to say that my favorite scene was the uh, the showdown in the Adelaide Gallery. So, <laughs> bad. but yeah. All right. So, Lee, what was your favorite quote? Well, uh, it's a long one. I've got a long one and a short one. Uh, my experience is that if I read the long one, that then you'll just cut the clip in on on top of it, and then I'll I'll, I'll uh, there'll have been no point for me to do it. Um, Go should for I read it. this? Okay, I'm going to read this. If you promise not to then just cut the clip in of the actor I, saying I, I promise I won't. Thank you, because th- then it just makes me sound like I don't. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I don't have that kind of talent. But this is, I just thought this was brilliant. This is so, so very well worded. Today, I'm here to say thank you to those of you all around the world who've made our achievements possible. To everyone who over the years has given us everything. We gave you pieces of plastic and circuitry and games, and you handed us, me, my company, total access to your lives. What you buy, where you go, who you text, what you text, every thought and photo and post, every credit card number, every birthday, every memorable place, and all of your mother's maiden names. Thank you for carrying our cameras in your pockets and putting our microphones in your bedrooms for signing up your kids and handing them our devices. We told you, of course your lives are private, and of course your data is safe, and you believed us. (laughs) Wow, so good. Is that a great speech or what? And you know what I thought of when I heard that? Well, you last episode talking about Mrs. A. Well, yeah, yeah. No, that's it. I've completely embraced it. Yeah, I now have... uh, yeah, this device that's in every room of my house, and we talk to it as if it's a person. And uh, <laughs> although I will say something about the Alexa design of of their devices is that there's a physical uh, switch that when you flip it, it it actually physically blocks the camera. It's not just an electronic that says, "Hey, the camera's off." No, there's <laughs> it's an eye patch that goes over that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so uh, yeah. I like that. But uh, you know, I don't know if the microphone's still in or not. Are they listening to me right now and putting me down as a, as an ingrate <laughs> at somebody who yes. watched? Well, before so, uh, Lee yeah. is assassinated, I will right. ask you, Clarence Brown, what is your favorite quote? Um, I think I already said it was about the um the the the, <laughs> the grenade. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. Home grenade. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <Home> grenade. yeah. <laughs> All right. So my favorite quote actually comes about a hundred years later. Give or take. And it is when the doctor says, these are dark times, but they don't sustain. Darkness never sustains, even though sometimes it feel like it feels like it might. Yeah. So, thought that yeah. was yeah. very nicely said. Yep. Yeah. World War. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, this is the second one. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, here's a, here's a, here's an honorable mention, uh, favorite line for you. And I'll dedicate it to the two of you. Okay. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pair of you. Right couple of donuts. <laughs> but there's no one I'd rather be on the run with 
Oh, oh that was nicely <laughs> said. So you know what else is nicely said? Ooh. Five out of five. That's my final rating. I yeah. loved it, this yep. episode. It's oh, true. I love this episode. So, Clarence, what say you? What's your final rating? So before I give my five out of five, I want to just mention to reel off a couple of things that I loved that we didn't mention. Ooh, uh, I think I think Lee briefly mentioned the virus being clever. I really love that. But all of that goodwill was totally subverted when she forgot to go put the things in the plane, which led Ryan, Yaz and Graham to their point in the story. <laughs> like, it doesn't work like that. He can't tell you to go back and do it. And you haven't done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're using Time smart. Huh? They're usually smarter about that in Doctor No, no, no. I thought that was brilliant. I no, loved that. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I liked that too. Yeah, the, <laughs> they would have never got to that point. Yeah, but see, you're thinking too linear. With, no, yeah. you know, logically, it is not a progression. <laughs> Time is not a progression dude, of linear dude, things. Dude. It is a big ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. I love time paradoxes as as much as the next man. <laughs> you know, like the Voyager episode when they saw somebody stuck in a nebula, but it was really them stuck in a nebula, so they went yeah. to help and got stuck. Right. But still, come on, I, I, I didn't like that. <laughs> it was playful, but it just to me, it just it broke. In my opinion, it broke the cleverness of the virus just seconds before she said that. You know, I'm like, oh, she's clever enough to go put the virus, but then she put. Oh, anyway, you know, that's a gripe. Uh, we, we, we saw the, uh, Cassivan, Cassivan realm, which I thought was cool. I just read up real quick. Uh, we know what it is. We thought it was the brain or dream sequence or whatever before. And also the whole reason for killing the spies at the beginning of episode one doesn't make any sense. Uh, agreed. Agreed as well. Yeah. yeah. I didn't care, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just gripes. But just gripes. yeah, it's, it's still a, yeah. It's like, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. In lieu of all of that, five out of five. <laughs> awesome. Lee Shackelford, what numbers yeah. say you? Yeah, I've got to give it a five as well. So, yeah. Mm. I, I, I want to say one other thing. This is the most Doctor Who I think I have felt since the very beginning of Chibnall's run. And I am so ecstatic to be able to say this is the most Doctor Who I have felt. Uh I, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited for next episode and I cannot wait. So, so, so question for you, Cal. Uh huh. So like the last Jedi, Jedi slash return of Skywalker or the rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. does the inclusion of fan service in these first two episodes yes. make the people <laughs> who like the one, the episodes where there was no fan service and they were exploring new issues, does it make them hate this one? Or vice versa. It, you know what? There's going to be somebody that's going to hate something anyway, because that's just how people are, you know, and I, I, I think this, this was personally needed. I mean, I, I can only speak in a way for myself here, but I think this will give me a new appreciation for series 11 because of what it achieved in my inside of my head. The, the light switch that it turned in my head. I can now go back and watch these other episodes. And I, I'm going to call this, this was my doctor moment. I, this was that moment to where you latch on and accept that new doctor. It, and I think that happens for every doctor in their first series. We just usually get a doctor moment somewhere three, four, five, six episodes into it. Unfortunately, I didn't get a doctor moment until 12 or so episodes into it. But, but now I think I can go back and see series 11 and have it in a different light than before. So no, I don't think it, it disregards series 11 and the people who liked it, but I do think fan service is needed and I loved the fan service and I'm ecstatic again that I got it. Cool. Beans. Cool. So, gentlemen, final question. Where might ye be found on the Internet? And, Lee, I'll start with you. I'm pointing people towards my the website for our radio drama serial, Relativity. You'll find that at RelativityPodcast.com. Awesome. How about you, Clarence? 
Oh, man, you can find me by going to DiscussingNetwork.com, where you can check out all the shows I'm on, most of them anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, subscribe and there's 10 and, or 12 of them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> subscribe and like and all that other good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. So I will just add one thing to that. If you are a user of Facebook and we're talking about media and tech companies infiltrating our everyday lives, I'm sure most people have Facebook. So go to Discussing Network Facebook group, join it and talk about Doctor Who, comic books, Star Trek, or just about everything under the sun. And I will say we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?